Thank you, Don and uh, Flory and Lincoln. And um, I joined with Don and my thanks to you for your uh, incredibly faithful and generous support of the church. I want to also just thank you personally for just a moment. Several of you uh, know that I have sort of a little bit of a odd hobbit, habit, and, or a hobby, I should say. Um, I, I ran four-fifths of a marathon yesterday. Um, I was in Champaign for the uh, Illinois Marathon. I wasn't sure how I'd do because I've been working on recovering from some injury. And um, I was doing pretty well to about mile 18. I didn't feel too good. I took a walk, and I started running. About mile 21, they called the race because of thunder and lightning. And I said, thank you, Jesus. So anyway, I'm... Um, <laughs> I'm fine now, I'm moving, uh, but I appreciate uh, your prayers and support. And all of you that told me, don't do it, you'll ruin your knee, it feels just fine. So, anyway, um, some of you might be wondering if it was a coincidence that we're talking about stewardship at the same time that we have the chick auction or not. Well, I'm not sure if it's a coincidence or not, but actually it is good timing because it is an opportunity to thank you for your generosity and it's a time to highlight the generosity of this congregation, but also gives us a time to sort of look at this theme. We are working on these, um, uh, these 10 healthy missional markers. Um, we're putting together, we're doing this series on the healthy church and there's these markers of health. They're on this, uh, uh, this little chart here that you can see in front of you and they're on the back of your uh, outline as well. We're talking about stewardship and generosity today because you are a generous people. We are a generous church, but I also feel at this point in our life, it doesn't hurt to take another look at what God might be calling us to and some new, new areas to grow. This is our main point as we work our way through this series that what makes it... Church, a healthy church, we're looking at several markers that will help us answer that question. But in and under and around and through it all must be our deepening devotion to Jesus and our commitment to what he calls us, his church, to be and to do. And today we're looking then at sacrificial and generous living and giving and the challenge to grow as a generous church. So we're going to look, first of all, just for a few moments at the generous God who calls us to be generous people and what it means for us not just to be generous individuals but what it means for Neighborville Covenant to be a generous church as well. Generous God, we know the words well from John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave and you know the rest of it, his only son. But this thing of giving is just woven into the very core of who God is. He's a, it's his very nature to give, to give of creation, to give life, to give protection to us, to provide for us, to give care for us. God giving the gift of forgiveness and salvation. And that giving, that salvation and forgiveness is the giving that really cost God something. And so we talk about sacrificial giving, which God himself endured as well in a gift of Christ for our salvation. God is a giver and we're made in his image, so one of the main reasons we give is to reflect him, to reveal his likeness in us. It keeps us connected to Jesus. I love this quote that says, we are most like God when we give. We're created in his image and we are most like him when we give. Giving in all kinds of ways to all kinds of people, all kinds of needs is what we're made for, but our giving in the context of the church means that we are joining Jesus in his kingdom work. When we give to the work of the church, as these guys have already made clear, We are joining Jesus in this kingdom work. Our generous God is at work in and through the church. It is his way of reaching and changing the world. The church is the hope of the world. And it is there in the church where we as the body of Christ, where we partner and we work together, we invest our gifts and our resources in order to advance the mission of his church. Not just to keep this organization afloat, but to advance the mission of God in the world. Our generous God then builds generosity into the way this whole thing works and moves forward. He is a generous God, and as we grow in Christ, he makes us then to be generous people, generous people. 
Some of you remember the ministry or may be aware of the ministry of the navigators on college campuses, really highlighting uh, discipleship. And in the 70s and 80s, the ministry of navigators used a wheel kind of like this to depict the, uh, the four spokes of essential elements for a growing Christian. There's prayer and uh, Bible study, the word fellowship and witnessing. And... Um, I found, I, I looked this up, I googled it up, and I found one that had a, a fifth spoke too. And it was, it was a seriously written article, but it was tongue in cheek. And it added a fifth spoke of ultimate frisbee also for college students who, because a lot of Christian college students are, anyway. But seriously, um, um, a lot now are adding to this a fifth spoke that is not ultimate frisbee, but is generosity. That generosity is one of the key things that the obedient Christian action must work into who she is and to who he is. It's part of our deepening discipleship. We talk about deepening disciples here. And as deepening disciples, one of the things that we do is to engage these three T's, as I call them, that, that Lincoln just shared about briefly. Our time, which is limited. Actually, sometimes for some of us, uh, it, it seems more precious to us than our money, doesn't it? It seems like, you know, I'm okay with all the stuff I have. I just wish I had more time or could manage it better. It's a stewardship. It's a management issue with our time. I sometimes say that I'm, I'm envious of my older brother. He's a very successful dentist. He's made a living hurting people by doing root canals. He, hurted, he hurt me as a child and now, but anyway, and he's a very successful man. He owns two beautiful homes. And I've always said this. I've never been envious of his stuff. I'm envious of his three-day weekends that he's taken through his whole career. But, uh, so that, that's my own issue, the envy, by the way. But that issue of time, it's a, it's a stewardship and a management of time. But our stewarding means we must be tithing our time as well, whether it's 10% or not, of making sure that we're giving it to the people that are important, giving it to the church, the community, or whatever area of service or ministry that God's calling you to. A stewardship of our time is part of our discipleship. The second T is talent. We all have unique abilities and inborn things that, we're, uh, that we have as talents and abilities. But as disciples of Jesus, we're also given these gifts of the Holy Spirit that often line up with those inborn talents. The gifts are given to complement each other, to work together for the building up of the church and for the adma- advancement of the mission of the church. And the third T, of course, is treasure. The other two weren't made up just so stewardship teams could say, oh, it isn't just about money. They really are part of it. The time and the talent really, really are part of what we steward. And I've made that point with time that sometimes it's even harder with time than it is with a treasure. But you know, when you get down to it, Scripture's pretty clear about this dimension of our discipleship. It's pretty clear about our hearts and the things that we treasure and hold there. Scripture's pretty clear, too, about God's faithful provision for us. And I think uh, sometimes it's hard to trust that. We, we trust it in our heads. We love the scriptures that speak of his provision, but we find out that we still struggle with fear. We still have a basic fear of scarcity, that we won't have enough. Last weekend, we were down in North Lawndale for the confirmation retreat. And Sharona, who was leading us in a prayer work of North Lawndale, which is a, a rugged neighborhood in Chicago, and said that they realized with, by taking some of their kids to Africa and coming back that Lawndale is still in the top 4% of the world in terms of wealth. Oh, there's perspective, Naperville. The top 4% of the wealthiest people in the world live in North Lawndale in Chicago. but we still fear that we won't have enough. It's an area where we need to learn to grow and to trust God's provision as we need to learn to let go of some of what he's provided. 
But as we learn to do this, it gets easier. As, as Flory shared with you, as, as they've given and invested in this church, there's been the, the joy and the blessing that's come back. Now, the blessing came back in, at one point in terms of a, of a gift so he could go home, but it came back in so many other ways, and, and we can experience that as well. It's rewarding as we recognize more and more that it's a participation in ministry, that our real part, it's a real part of advancing the influence of God's kingdom in this world. Not just making it a nice church, but advancing the kingdom of God in the world. As generous people following Jesus, we're, we are growing as we, are, we become faithful followers who give joyfully and give intentionally and give sacrificially. Our giving is an act of generosity that we choose to do, not one that somebody forces us to do. When we, when we really get it, that we are made to be generous people, our, coming, our giving then comes with joy. It actually becomes more fun to give when we experience that, of what it means to give life and give something away where it's needed. We learn to be more intentional in our giving. Scripture speaks about the regularity of, of giving and giving proportionately. When we discover the joy of it, we give it more intentionally rather than sporadically or just reacting to, to needs here and there. Learning from what Scripture says about giving regularly and proportionately. But then this final part of how we give is sometimes the hardest part, isn't it? Sacrificial. That means giving beyond what we maybe think we can't afford. That might even mean giving beyond a a tithe of a 10% of income. Megan and I were so blessed that early in our marriage we learned the principle of tithing. I remember, I'm sorry, this is going to sound an old person, but I remember when we were first married, I was in seminary full-time, not working, and Megan was bringing home, wow, $485 a month. Our rent was $160, utilities included, so we, we, we could do it. But, you know, writing a check, 48, $48.50, that's a lot out of 485 but we just really trusted and believed that God would do it. Our income's a little more than that now. But um, we, but we realized that we got pretty comfortable with 10%. And we realized for a long time we were giving 10% of our net. And so several years ago, we challenged ourselves to move that up to 10% of, of our gross. And then in the last few years, we realized, you know, we're not feel, it, it doesn't hurt. It, it's not affecting us. And it's fun. And so we've challenged ourselves to even push beyond that a little bit. I'm not saying this to give attention to me, but to say, well, first of all, I've got to practice what I preach, right? <laughs> But beyond that is the joy that we've experienced and the blessing of God and, and, and the joy of, of pushing a little bit farther, sacrificing a little bit more. But I really believe that we can do even more, that Megan and I can do more. And I want to encourage you to be thinking that way too. That there are sacrifices we can make when there's a need that, that's really huge and really big. Because some of our giving is really pretty easy to do and we don't feel it too much. Some of you will write some checks to the auction and it's going to be a lot of fun. But you won't really feel the pain of writing that check. You'll, you'll feel some great joy in doing it. But I want to suggest that sometimes there's some times when maybe some of the purchases that we plan could maybe be just limited or cut back or delayed or perhaps even canceled. Some of the projects that we thought were so important that we just absolutely had to get that home renovation done because if we didn't get it done, we didn't get the money, we won't have a good retirement, our life will be miserable, but maybe, just maybe, we might be able to cut back on that a little bit and say, you know what, it's good enough. There may be some places we need to cut back and, and look at the list. I, was, I get Groupon. Every, I, bought, I bought two Groupons in the last 10 years, and so they email me three times a day. But anyway... <laughs> And I've rarely even opened them. But one of them, the header was right there. Women, a dozen tank tops. Who needs a dozen of the exact same style tank top in a dozen colors? If it's you, talk to me afterwards. Because you, ta- you need at least tie a couple of those tank tops. Good grief. Who needs that kind of junk? 
I mean, not Chuck, excuse me. Anybody work for Groupon? But <laughs> I'm not guilting anybody. I'm just saying maybe it's time for us who a lot of us are pretty comfortable. Where can we kind of feel it a little bit more in terms of the percentage that we give and the things that we give to and the challenges that God may put upon us? If we open our eyes up to some of the deeper needs that we see in front of us and see around us, what might we be able to do? You know, just when I'm feeling pretty good about generosity, I turn to that widow in Luke 21. You know about her. You've heard about her in stewardship sermons before. 10% wasn't good enough for her. She set the bar at 100%. Truly I tell you, Jesus says, the poor widow has put in more than all the others. All these people gave out of their wealth, but she out of her poverty put in all that she had sacrificial giving. We need to always be learning and deepening as generous generous people. And I think this sacrificial part is where God might be pushing us. Let's look for the last few minutes then at being a generous church, a generous church. As we learn these healthy missional markers, we see that they are markers not just of church members, not that we are individually supposed to be people that do all these things, but these are to characterize us as a church as a whole. They're to characterize us as a a body of believers. And so this is a point when we say, so how how are we doing? How are we doing? And I'd like to say that we're doing well, and we can do a little better. We're doing really well, actually. In fact, generosity is often noted as one of the strengths of Naperville Covenant Church. When when you first contacted me about six years ago, and I started poking around for information, I, I, I learned that right away. This is an incredibly generous church. We've been generous in our mission work. In fact, I remember my first Sunday, you had just taken an offering so that Jamie Sladke could go to, uh, to Thailand with a mission group, and you gave three times what she needed. I went, oh, this is a good church to be in. No, um, uh, but I, I, I saw this element of generosity in your mission work. You've been very supportive of us as a staff. You're generous with us. We are paid well among covenant clergy and staff. You keep our benevolence fund well-funded. That's how we were able to help Flory. And Pat and I get calls during the week and we were able to help people because you are so incredibly generous to the Benevolence Fund. As a church, our leadership, both in the decisions our leadership makes as well as the congregational action that you take and the input you give, we want to set example in our giving. Don said 10% denomination, but that's actually nearly 14% of our church budget is given to causes outside this building. A good chunk of it going to the Evangelical Covenant Church, but other areas of mission that we support. We support our own. We support John and Megan Gustafson Carson and their work with Crusade out at Northern Illinois. We support Lena Herrera, who's a member of our church and has a very important position of prayer and discernment with InterVarsity Christian Fellowship. We support in those ways as well. And, of course, we have a significant financial investment at Bridge Communities. Nearly 11000 it is $11,000 of our annual budget is, goes to Bridge Communities. So that's our budget. 14% of our budget um, goes. And, um, um, and I want to say also that it's given regularly and carefully. We, that, all, of, all 14% goes out of this place. I want you to know that. Some churches, when they struggle, they go, well, let's pay this bill and that bill, and, and if we have enough money at the end of the fiscal year, then we'll fulfill our mission commitments. Oh, oh, no, 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 no. Regular, faithful, every month. Our giving to the covenant and to the conference is a percentage giving. We have a, have a percentage of income, and every month they get a check that's exactly that amount. So that we're very faithful. We try to set an example in our faithfulness as a church as well as in our generosity as a church. But, you know, that 14% of the budget, that's only part of what you do as a congregation outside. You realize that when you give to the auction today, 20000 20 grand, um, that, that that's in addition to this 14%. You know that we have 80 
Covenant Kids Con was that are sponsored in and through this church. Now, some of those people that picked up kids aren't with us anymore, but we still kind of, they, they, they learned about them, they picked up their packet right here. 80 times 40 times 12. That's about $38,000. $38,000 to Covenant Kids Congo just from this congregation, beyond that portion of our budget that we give. We are truly a generous church in a giving and missional way. I think we should just be happy with ourselves. Because <laughs> we're doing good. You know, we are doing good. We're doing really well. But I was remembering a few years ago, uh, Gary Walter, who's the president of the Evangelical Covenant Church, was speaking at our Covenant Annual Meeting. I think it was actually in 2011. And he talked about Willie Jemison. Some of you know Willie Jemison. Willie Jemison is, was really the first African-American pastor in the Covenant. Uh, some almost 40 years ago now, there was a church on the south side of Chicago where the neighborhood was changing from white to black. And rather than closing the doors and fleeing to the suburbs, they began to gradually change and invite their neighborhood in. And that church gradually changed from a largely Anglo congregation to an African-American congregation. And the, the key person in that transition was Willie Jemison. That became Oakdale Covenant Church, uh, which has had a successful ministry. It's now a church of two or 3,000 people, a significant ministry. Willie has gone on to be with Jesus now. But Willie had a phrase, and he actually said this to Gary Walter. He says, um, and he said this to the company, you know, you're doing good, but you know, you can do a little better. <laughs> you know, you're really doing good, but you can do a little better. You can do a little better. And I think we can too. I think we can do better not just by giving more, but I think by learning more and listening more. I have a book, it's at the top of my reading List and I have my stack. You've seen it. My stack's about this high on my desk. But the top one right now is a book that I just got. It's entitled "When Helping Hurts." When helping hurts, sometimes we think it's great to raise a bunch of money for something when we find out that it really wasn't what was needed, and it might actually be uh, enabling somebody and not helping them really get back on their feet the way we want them to do. And so, uh, part of the point of the book is is to learn what what happens when sometimes our great ideas and our great American ideas to help something in Africa is not helpful. But it also talks about coming alongside those we're helping. It actually talks about some of the sacrifice, some of the, some of the sweat, gift of sweat that Lincoln talked about and, and getting to know people and slowing it down a little bit rather than just coming up with a great project that we think is a great idea that might change the world, but listening and learning and what is the way that's going to happen? What are the sacrifices we need to take in the risk? So I'll let you know when I read the book and you'll probably be hearing about it because I get to talk to you all the time. But I think we need to learn, even ask some of the harder questions of what can we do with less in order to do more? Some of you women I know have read that book, read that book by Jen Hatmaker called Seven. Try for a whole month to have seven outfits. What is it? Seven outfits and seven... Seven tank tops in matching colors. Whatever it is. Yeah, so... Um, and arrange them by, you know, put them away for this winter, bring them out for the, all that thing, whatever. Uh, but what... Uh, I'm sorry, I'm picking on the women. Men do it too. Um, but seriously, what, what can we do with less in our lifestyles in order to do more? I think this is the whole area of discernment comes in here too. Not a reactionary thing, not a guilt thing, but a discernment thing. What is God saying to us as a congregation? He has blessed us richly, and we are generous. What might he be calling us to do more? What big, bold things could we do as a church, 
if we could give away even more? That 14% plus the 20,000 for chip plus the 38 for CKC, what if that was just the starting place? What more could we do? What big things could we do? I read an article about generosity this week. And one of the examples was our, our friends over at the Yellow Box Community Christian Church. They are doing such incredible ministry. I read that they plan their budget based on 51 weeks of giving. And then their largest offering of the year, whichever one it is, they give away. They give it away. And it's becoming something that is attracting attention because they're, 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 they're showing some sacrifice in what they're doing by being willing to give that away. And another mega church I read about that gives away its Easter offering. They just plan that that will be the one they give away. And you know what? It's attracting people. It might possibly be the new evangelism. We talk here about pursuing Christ and pursuing his priorities and that is our vision and part of our vision is that we would invite people into a church that's trying to make a difference in the world. Not come here just because we're a nice church but come here because we'll help you get to know who created you with this part in your heart that says we want to do something. But this article I read talks about generosity being the new evangelism. It says this, generous behavior by Christians validates what we believe about God and the Bible. Authentic generosity becomes magnetic to those who do not yet believe in Christ. Any aha light bulbs? Wow! What if we became known for that? The generous church that cares deeply about who they're giving to. The generous church who's getting to know the recipient, who's who's understanding what it means to empower people and lift them up and to raise their standard of life. The generous church who, who, who gave up a few things here in order that they could do something significant there. Could generosity be the new evangelism? What we say, making a kingdom difference. Could it be that we, if we up our investment, it might draw people who have lost faith in the church because we've had this... Um, we've, had, we've, we've been known to be those who hoard it and keep it to ourselves. What if? What if? And so the challenge I leave, and I'm trying to bring a little challenge in each week here, but the challenge I give is simply, let's give more. But what does it mean to live with less? Now, we're not going to answer that right here, but it's a conversation that you can be good to have in your small group and around your dinner table. And when you go out for that big, lavish brunch, to, to, no, don't do that. Actually, you get a free lunch today, so you have time today. You got your lunch. We're providing your lunch. So you don't have to feel guilty about your lunch today. But seriously, those times when you're together with friends, with family, to begin to say, what could we do? A final word, that I, a little phrase that I picked up in this article I read was the, this one pastor who talks to his church about the kingdom of thingdom. Twelve tank tops is the kingdom of thingdom. Who bought those? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but the question I leave us with is what can we do to be less driven by the kingdom of thingdom and more voted, motivated by the kingdom of God? I think this is exciting. I don't feel a guilt. I don't feel a pressure. I feel sort of this bubbling of the spirit saying, let's look at this stuff. Did, did you hear any of us asking for more money for the church? We got enough money. Well, sort of, right, Don? We're pretty good, actually. We're actually in pretty good shape. So that's not what we're after today. We're after hearts and after generosity and what God would do in and through us. So I'm, I'm going to check off sacrificial living and giving even before we know what we're bringing in at the chick auction because I think we're already good on this one. And, um, and then I'm going to pray. Lord, I do thank you for the incredible and amazing 
and good-hearted generosity of this congregation that has given so much. And we just thank you, Lord God, for what a testimony that is too and that we've heard and sounded today as well. And for individuals in here, Lord, who didn't need a sermon on sacrificial because they're already doing it, Lord, thank you for them as well. But for those of us that need a little push, need a little challenge, Lord, I ask you to keep us open for that as well. We thank you, Lord, for all the richness of your giving to us. And now we want to learn more, more and more, Lord, how to give ourselves, to give ourselves away as we share our resources. And we ask this and pray it in Christ's name. Amen.